What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm your host, Evan Rothstein. Today's guest is author, executive career coach, business development guru, Jason Levin. Jason, welcome into TMT Time. Evan, thanks so much for having me. You recently put out a book called Relationships to Infinity. You can find it on Amazon. You're currently showing it to me, even though our listeners can't see that. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then get to your book and we'll just launch right into it. So, and, and thanks so much for having me, Evan. It's a real pleasure to be here. So uh, a little bit about me. Uh, I grew up in uh, the great state of New Jersey. Uh, so I have a unique respect for good Chinese food, pizza and bagels. Uh, I've lived in the Washington DC area for the last 15 years. And I like to joke that I'm an attorney by marriage. Uh, and so I speak attorney, but I'm not one. I like that. It's like the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, you know, every day my grammar gets corrected and I know that that's, you know, part of, uh, you know, part of life and uh, that's all right. So uh, professionally, I've worked in brand management for Unilever. I was a brand manager on Dove lotions and creams, anti-aging lotions and creams. Uh, I've worked in consulting for Accenture and uh, also for KPMG. Uh, I lived abroad. I spent uh, five years working in France. And what uh, brought me back to the D.C. area was my lovely attorney spouse. And uh, I had this wonderful opportunity to be uh, a sales leader for the career, web, the career website vault, vault.com. And so I was also known as the entity that ranks the prestige of law firms. Exactly. Exactly. So I have a unique window into the vault survey and how all that works. And all the while, wait, wait, does it work any other way than it's a sham? It's a fake process or is it real? No, no, it's real. Here's the thing, Evan. Uh, One of the things that I love about Vault, and now Vault uh, has been taken over by an organization called Firsthand. But when you look at the survey data, we're talking 10, 15, 20,000 attorneys that would respond to the Vault survey. So we're talking very statistically significant. That's a lot of lawyers. It's a lot of lawyers. So so when you look at the prestige, and so, you know, for example, Evan, if you were to fill out the survey, you couldn't say that Arlen Porter was the number one in prestige. You would need to say, well, what are the other firms that you think are the most prestigious? Well, I'm so, obviously very prestigious. So I should oh, you're, probably you're very prestigious. first. Yeah. So... So the vault, actually the vault survey is very real and the data that comes out from it is quite significant. And you're getting perceptions from associates from firms all, all across the country. So, so actually vault data is uh, something you can rely on, uh, unlike other uh, platforms. Yeah, so, I should, uh, that was an overuse of the word. You're right. I, the, some of the other ones are like, mm, is that really yeah. a ranking? <laughs> yeah, no. So. Vault rankings, real rankings, because they're coming directly from the attorneys that are working in those firms, because what Vault does is they actually send the survey directly to the firms and the firms distribute the surveys directly to their associates so that you know every single response is coming from an attorney working at that organization. And those are the people that know the most. That's the, the ones that know the most. 
wow, I haven't talked about this in a while. This has been a lot of fun. See, I took yeah. us down like a long side path. Sorry. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah. So, so all the while that I'm working at Vault, I developed a side hustle. And that side hustle was working with people to help figure out their transitions and helping people figure out how to uh, grow their practices. And so 10 years ago, I decided to go out on my own. And when I decided to go out on my own, I said to my lovely wife, I'm going to write a book. And the book is going to be called Relationships to Infinity. And so, <laughs> 10 years later, here we are. <laughs> and 10 years later, <laughs> you yeah. know, to infinity. I, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you say you want to write a book and you say that you want to start a business. Well, honestly, you can't do both at the same time because building a business takes uh, an amazing amount of energy just to get yourself out into the market. And so every year I'm like, all right, babe, this is the year I'm going to write the book. And, like, <laughs> yeah. and, my, and my wife's like, sure. <laughs> so yeah, she's like, uh-huh. I've heard that eight times now. Yes. So, and she actually wrote a book before I wrote a book. So, um, so my, my wife has a book called Back to Work After Baby, How to Have a Mindful Return, at, uh, mindful return After Your Maternity Leave. Which oh, is that's actually incredible. a very important topic and timely topic now. Still. Yes, very, very timely topic. So, so all the while that I'm, I'm building my coaching practice, my training practice, you know, I'm working with, you know, Amlaw 100 law firms and Fortune 500 companies and professional associations. It was still in the back of my mind. I want to write this book. And so the pandemic hits, you're a parent, I'm a parent, you know, we're just trying to keep the trains running on time within the house. And about a year in, I got an email from a Bloomberg reporter. And this Bloomberg reporter I had done segments with uh, over the radio years back. And she said, you know, Jason, I just took this class through Georgetown. It's a book writing class through this place called the Creators Institute. You probably have a book in you. Why don't you check these guys out? Because I just wrote a book. And she didn't know I wanted to write a book. And so I can't tell you, Evan, how quickly I signed up for that class. Yeah, you're like, here it is. Here it is. The impetus to get me over the hump. And, you know, one of the things that I think the class did through the Creators Institute was, one, I had a weekly conversation with the professor and other people that were in my situation writing a book. And then I had accountability. Every week, I had my editor. All right, Jason, where's my 2,000 words? And so I had this weekly deadline, 2,000 words, 2,000 words. And all the while, I'm learning how to research, and I'm how to, learning how to write chapters, and I'm learning how to write stories. And having that weekly accountability was able to get my book across the line. So... Um, so, and it just, so here we are. So we're, we're we in are. 2022 yeah. and we're like weeks from when you, as your title, your business called you launched your, your business is ready, set, launch. Right. Uh, and you've launched the book. I've All right. Tell us book. what the book is about. So, so relationships to infinity, the art and science of keeping in touch. It's all about connection and reconnection. So Evan, we say keep in touch and yet we don't. And so I'm exploring, well, why is that? Why is it that we want to keep in touch with people and yet we really struggle to do so? And so what the book does is it looks at the academic research around 
uh, connection and uh, what's known as network theory, uh, the academic research around what we what they describe as what a network is. So I think too often we use the word, oh, it's important to have a network or you know networking, but we're actually not describing it the way the academics see it, right? So, yeah. so I, I I start there. I'm like, all right, let's look at the research. What are the what are the tried and true uh, things that they've noticed? And then from there, I started to look at, well, what are the stories of people, introvert, extrovert, people in the middle, which are ambiverts, all different per types of personalities. You know Th that I've never heard. Ambivert. Yeah, so, so the ambivert is actually a person that derives both introvert and extrovert qualities. Uh, and so many people will say, oh, I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert, but we're quite nuanced. So you could be professionally extroverted, but personally introverted. And so you could derive your energy from being alone in solitude. And I'm sure Evan in the last two years as a fellow parent, you know, hiding in the closet was actually like a good use of time. You're actually uh, describing me pretty well. I mean, I've <laughs> never really thought about this. Like I, I am, my wife says this to me all the time. You're so good with all the people that you work with and you go to all these work things. Why don't you do anything socially with us? And why do you just want to do nothing at the house? Hmm. I gained my energy that way. I, it's actually interesting to think about. So, so think about, so there are nuances to when we use those terms of uh, and and completely normal. So you know what it need you need to be successful and social in a professional sense. But to be able to do that, you recharge when you are able to be alone. Uh, and so you're drawing from both introvert and extrovert. Uh, and so actually, what you're describing, I talk about through examples and interviews of people in the book that say, you know what? By nature, I'm an introvert. And here's how I think about it and how I go about being successful as a lawyer, as a banker, as someone in real estate or someone in government. And I talk to people in different industries and in different professions on how they think about what keeping in touch has meant for them in terms of growing your professional services practice, mentorship and sponsorship, in terms of making a transition. So for me, the hub of all of this is how do you keep in touch? So. Yeah, which people don't do. I mean, I, I send a lot of my emails that I send actually to people that podcast guests. I say, stay in touch because I, I, you know, most of the podcast guests, I thoroughly enjoy learning from them like I'm doing from you right now. And I really do want to stay in touch. Right. So how, how do I make sure I do that? So I think the first thing is to be able to write these people down that you want to stay in touch with, right? And so, you know, I think people too often overcomplicate this, whatever system you want to use. So for people that are more comfortable with technology, they'd like to put people's names in the note function within their phone. For some people, it's an Excel file. For some people, I'm just showing like it could be a notebook or a notepad. And the, the way that I think about for people, there you go, you're showing your notes, uh, is, well, who do I get back in touch with? And Evan, the first thing that I like to think about is, well, who do you want to thank? So Evan, if I were to ask you, 
if there were three people that made a positive impact on your career or your life that you've lost touch with, who would they be? What did they do for you? And so it's really about an intention of, well, you've got all these wonderful things in your life, Evan, right? And how is it that you can show gratitude uh, to those people? Uh, and so that's I what love you this. Can... I'm writing this down. <laughs> I'm gonna have to replay this. Oh, wait, it's a podcast. I can listen to it. <laughs> so, because I actually did research, Evan, around uh, nostalgia. And one of the most powerful things that connects us. So, so no, I, I, I want you to go here because I, 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 I tell people I suffer from nostalgia. And I have a heart and people don't know what that means, but I think you're going to explain to me what it means. Well, nostalgia is a very positive connection between two people. And it's not just about the good old days. It's actually these positive memories that give us our self-esteem. It gives us uh, an ability to communicate. And so actually structured nostalgia is used in different um, uh, different worlds. So, you know, if you've uh, got Alzheimer's, uh, there's something called positive reminiscence, where they will turn on songs or give you foods or show you photos and use nostalgia to bring your memories back and actually get you to focus again. So, so in the book, I also think about it as personal and professional nostalgia. So you think about it, there are so many professional nostalgic memories. You know, back on that case, could you believe the things that we needed to do? And you remember that we did what? <laughs> that's and, like, that's I call that the lawyer one-upping. Lawyers right. get in conversation with other lawyers, and each lawyer tries to say something better than the previous lawyer just said about something they did. Right. So, but what I'm describing is you've got past colleagues, past mentors, yeah, clients, yeah. Uh, you know, even like, you know, probably torts class in law school. Oh, you remember that professor that, you know, made us do blah, blah, blah. So, so why do I say this? Because often people come to me and say, Jason, I want to get back in touch with this person. I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. And I'm like, it's not what you need to say. It's what you need to ask and what you need to remember. And by asking and remembering, you are creating that personal connection again, which always existed. So, so Evan, so I'm going to keep pulling. Now, keep going. So, Evan, you've got a superpower. You really do. The, like nostalgia is very powerful stuff. I mean, it it's can I feel like it does connect me to people, but I'm always so I one of the things that I do when I meet with people now hopefully more in person um, than it has been for the last couple of years. I like to end every conversation with what can I do for you? How can I help you? Is there anything that I can do to help you, whether it's personally, professionally, what can I do? That's how I end every meeting I have, every discussion I have with people that I'm connecting with because I have nostalgia. Um, but I like one of the things that you said, which is like, how can I show gratitude? Um, because I feel that's also powerful because I do feel gratitude to a lot of these people that have helped either help me, help my wife, help my kids, helped us along the way in, in some respect. You know, and, and that's something I talk often about both personally and professionally. I, I, I often say that appreciation is currency and, and it's a wonderful currency that, 
you know, and people get kind of hung up on, you know, should it be a text, should it be an email, should it be a card. Uh, and the studies have shown that you can appreciate in any form you want. You know, if I could smoke signal appreciation, you know, I'd find the winds and send it out. Uh, and, and to be able to do that with an intention uh, allows you to stay connected to, to different types of people. Uh, and what you're also talking about, and I talk about in the book, is uh, I don't know if you read Adam Grant's Give and Take. I did. Uh, okay. I read so, both of Adam Grant's stuff. Yes. Right. So, so Adam Grant in, in uh, Give and Take is talking about givers, right? How the people that help and, and provide certain types of help. So that knee-jerk reaction that you have at the end of a conversation, how can I help you, uh, shows that you are a giver. And one of the things that I noticed in my research is that actually givers do a better job of getting back in touch because they have those positive memories, right? They've created those positive interactions. So, so, so I've been doing a lot, a lot of reading in the Adam Grant field, you know, sort of like the behavioral or clinical psychology um, Angela Duckworth, sure. people that, that are in that, most of them are at Wharton, basically. Um, yeah. And I feel like your book and this concept fits really well in with some of the things that they talk about. Well, and one of the things that was highlighted in Adam Grant's book, and I do a deeper dive on, is that he comes out with the research that was do done in 2011. And it was done by three professors that... Uh, studied a group of executive MBAs. And what they studied was, uh, was who would give the best advice? And so they asked the executives, all right, go out with a business problem. And I want you to take uh, several people that you currently know and ask them a business question that you're currently going through. And then also reach out to several people that you've lost touch with. And the way they defined it was by at least three years. Unequivocally, what came back was that the advice, the insights, even the introductions were better from the people they had lost touch with by three years. So then why? Well, the people you lose touch with, they go on to have new experiences, build new networks, and learn new things. And so in 2011, those group of professors coined the term a dormant tie. And so... And in Adam Grant's book, he highlights that research and said, you know, dormitized go under, underutilized. Well, for me, that's where the party starts, uh, is that keeping in touch professionally, these dormant ties can help you become smarter uh, because of consistent actions and information that you can get from uh, people that you already know, like, and trust. So, so that's what the academic community is saying we're saying keeping touch, but we're not doing. So, uh, so it's fascinating what comes out of that social science world. Uh, and there's a lot of permutations and, and combinations on uh, how people can really benefit themselves by leveraging their dormant ties. So lawyers in firms like mine, um, at least when they get up to the partnership level, are responsible to develop work. Uh, or build a book of business, whatever euphemism you want to sure. use, positive or negative. How can we use folks like me, use this type of teaching, this type of thinking about things in terms of staying in touch and you call it, you know, building your network or networking. What, what can we do better um, in trying to do that and help our, you know, 
our peers, et cetera, partners elevate themselves. Right. So, you know, often when, you know, whether you're an arm importer or another big firm and, you know, assuming that you know what your practice is, uh, typically when uh, partners get elevated, they have an idea what their practice is, but they need more definition, right? But assuming that you have that question answered, I think from a relationship management perspective, I think that a lot of partners can do a much better job of being intentional with the people they already know. And going year by year, interaction by interaction, okay, who are the Arnold and Porter people that I work with that are no longer here that are in-house that I know, like, and trust? You know, when's the last time I said hello and seeing how they're doing? Uh, when I look at the clients that I've worked with this year, last year, the year before, uh, looking at the myriad of layers of interactions that uh, partners have had and taking an intentional approach. So not saying, all right, I need to get in touch with 100 people. It's like, all right, if I were to do one outreach a week or one outreach a day, who would it be to? What would I want to communicate? And then, you know, how am I going to follow up from that? So I think there's a whole host of things just from intentional gratitude and identifying people uh, that uh, partners can do. And here's, here's the thing though, and often when I'm working with uh, partners and firms, um, I, I have a chapter that I have called the Bermuda Keep in Touch Triangle. So- and, I like it, I'm writing that down too. So, and so everybody has their own triangle. Like, so the Bermuda Triangle is where ships and planes go to disappear forever. And everybody has their own triangle on their intentions to keep in touch. Well, what's in the triangle? The three areas of the triangle are guilt, fear, and worry. And so when we want to get back in touch with somebody, we feel guilty that we were the ones, we were responsible, we should have kept in touch, right? And so it's this self, oh my God, uh, you know, I should have done more. And so they're mad know, at me. I yeah. can't believe that. I guess yes. I'm going into fear, but that you're right. Like what? Yeah. This fell apart because I'm terrible at it. Yeah, exactly. So, and then you've got the fear and the worry, which is like, all right, I'm afraid what's going to happen. What are they going to say? What if they don't respond? And then, you know, the what are worry they going to tell their friends? Evan insane. just emailed me and asked me to talk and I haven't heard from him in three years. What an idiot. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to respond to him. So, you know, doing enough trainings and coaching with, you know, wonderfully intelligent uh, attorneys, you know, there's these internal voices that exist. And so what I did was I reached out to experts in the mental health community and I said, all right, let's describe these emotions. Uh, and what is it about those emotions that are blocking us from getting back in touch? Um you know, because the classic business development advice is, all right, go list out your people, go contact them. As if it's like perfectly normal, right? But they're ignoring, you know, they're, they're taking like a functional approach to this, but they're ignoring that we are human beings and we're not just functional people. We're, we have emotions, right? And so I wanted it to give it a name. So everybody has their own Bermuda Keep in Touch triangle. 
And that is normal. These are normal emotions, guilt, fear, worry. I think it actually acts as a, like, uh, I use the phrase ball stopper. I refer to Carmelo Anthony. He's a ball stopper on offense. When you pass the ball to Carmelo Anthony, you know he's shooting. So right. that's the end of it. <laughs> this, this is, this is, uh, and I can say that because I live in Denver and he played for us and he was a massive ball stopper. But um, <laughs> these things like actually stop you from, fulfilling your your request or request to do business development, right? You get stuck. Exactly. These are big inhibitors, uh, or as I talk about in the book, barriers to keeping in touch, right? So it's a significant barrier to keeping in touch. So a way to remove that barrier is actually to jot down, like journal, 5, 10, 15 minutes. Okay, there's someone I want to get back in touch with. There's somewhere on the Bermuda Triangle that I'm living. What's the most likely scenario that's going to happen? And you move from the amygdala, where we're running away from bears, and, and that fear piece. And the moment you write it down, you become more logical. All right, well, if I write to this person and I put this in the RE, what's probably going to happen? Either they respond to me immediately, or I don't hear from them. Or there could be like a third option, but I'm still not going to die, right? Um, so it's really about doing that outreach. And here's the thing, Evan. You know, I've seen it with my, my with my clients. They do a one phone call, and they do a little bit of the nostalgia, and they do a little bit of appreciation. They're like, and they come back. They're like, actually, that was kind of fun. I was like, uh-huh. I was like, all right, so you're going to do more, right? And then a month goes later and I'll, and I'll talk again with a partner. You know, I just reached out to three more people. That was really cool. And I was like, well, what about the six others? Well, they didn't respond, but, you know, and I was like, well, you want to follow up with them in like three or six months? I'm like, okay, that sounds fine. And so it, it's really about habits, right? Uh, and once the habit is formed, I call it a snowball, right? And then, you know, you're getting into this rhythm of connection and reconnection. You, you are um, in a more intelligent and cohesive manner saying what I like to tell people and what I <laughs> aspire to do myself. Um, and using, I use different terminology. I say things like, if you don't ask, you don't get. Sure. What's the worst that can happen? They say sure. no or they ignore you. I mean, what's okay? So you move on. Right. Um, uh, the, the, the medulla oblongata that I could, that's from Waterboy. Uh, wonderful Waterboy. movie. Wonderful like game. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, these are all really good lessons though, about how to keep in touch because, you know, like you go back, I go, everything for me goes to a movie, the American original American pie, but one time in band camp or when people talk about high school, they get nostalgic and everyone's like, oh, she's, he's still living in high school, but that it's the concept. It's you call someone, it's usually easier to do on the phone right. and you have a connection that you're just rekindling. Yes. And, you know, it just takes one or two. So uh, this is great. And I love Waterboy also. So, and actually I have it in a couple of my slides where um, in that scene where he's saying, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> it's the same Rob Schneider guy who goes, you suck, we suck again. We I, I say this all, I quote this all the time. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. <laughs> that was a great movie. That was a great movie. But yes, you can do it works in business development. So. All right. So how do 
people get in touch with you because I we've been going for a long time, well past my normal allotment mm-hmm. of time here uh, for my the powers that be. How do people get in touch with you? Where do they buy the book? If they want to work with you, how do they go about doing that? So, uh, well, if they want to go get the book, they can go on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. They can look up Relationships to Infinity, The Art and Science of Keeping in Touch. Uh, they can get it via Kindle, via paperback. And actually, I by the fall of 2022, I should have an audiobook out. So uh, that's all possible. My uh, website is relation uh, is uh, readysetlaunch.net. Uh, my email is jason at readysetlaunch.net. People can find me on LinkedIn and the other social uh, channels. So. I've had other authors on TMT Time, and we have talked about the audiobook phenomena. Uh, and who is going to be reading your audiobook? Do you know yet? You know, I've had attorneys and accountants and consultants that say, listen, I like to go for walks and or I like to go for drives and I like to listen to my books. So I have been stunned by the number of people that are saying, all right, I'll, I'm going to wait for the audio book. So yeah, like, oh, okay. it's, a, it's a total thing. But I mean, who yeah. is going to be your reader? Because it's a it's a profession. It's a thing. Like, it is, it, it is a, it, books. It is a profession. Uh, I have been advised that I should read my own book. So really? I am, oh, yes. wow. So, you, you do have a lot of good pronunciation. I feel like you could be entertaining. Well, I appreciate that, Evan. I did have in college, I had a radio call-in show. Huh. So I'm hoping. Yeah, see, so you're better at this than I am. I used to be the guy that was trying to call in on every radio show growing <laughs> up. I have, I am not kidding. I have a cassette tape of every time I got on the air and in, I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, the, the station that was the hip, cool station was KRQ. I don't even know. 97.3 KRQ. I have every time I was on, I recorded it on a cassette tape. I have a cassette tape of me calling in like 50 times. <laughs> that's awesome. See, but you were the guy doing the radio show. See, that's what I, I kind of wanted to be, that guy. I've had plenty of people when I was doing it. was a uh, call-in talk show. Uh, I had plenty of people prank me. So, uh you know, it, it was a, it was a really fun radio show. We would bring in the mayor. We would bring in the like president of the university. Uh, at the time, one of the people from our school was like Miss New Jersey. So, you know, interviewed her. Like it was it was really fun to just get like interesting people and just talk to them. Uh, that you just basically just described TMT time. <laughs> That's, what That's precisely what this is. Uh, awesome. All right. On that note, Jason, really appreciate your time today. This was terrific. I uh, thank you so much. Uh, listeners definitely check it out on his website, uh, download the book when it comes out on audiobook, and, uh, buy the book on Amazon.